Welcome to the Placebo Magic Podcast, the podcast about imaginative self-care for skeptics. I'm your host, Durmak, the wizard and peasant lord of the vast ten-acre realm of Habdur, also known as Garrison Benson. Greetings, Placebo Mages. Today, exploring the challenges of living scientifically. But first, thank you to our Patreon backers at the producer level or above. Emily, a sociology of tarot, Agnominimus, Annie, Brianne, Dev, Fen, Gyun, John, McKinley, Hetchy, Tony, and Valerie. All right, so today I want to explore some of the challenges and limitations and frustrations of trying to live one's life according to science. And I think this is like a, something that a lot of people in the placebo magic community or, or certainly some of the adjacent communities aspire to. But it's one of those things that's like just way, way, way easier said than done in practice. And so we're going to explore a little bit about like why it's so challenging to try to do this and um, explore some of the limitations that we face and how to sort of work within those limitations or work around those limitations and do the best we can in spite of them. And so first of all, I want to explore what some of these challenges and limitations are. So first of all, the, I think arguably the biggest one in trying to live one's life according to science is that science can't tell us what we ought to value, what's right or wrong, or what's good or bad, or what's precious or what's useless. You know, science can't tell us whether or not a human life has value. Science can't tell us whether or not the biodiversity on Earth has value. Science can't tell us whether or not truth is good or bad. Science can't tell us whether or not freedom or justice are good or bad. And so, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes you see like, uh, like I always think of Nacho Libre as an example of this, where there's people having a conversation about religion and, and then, you know, someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm in from this religion. And another person's like, well, I believe in science. But it's like, that's saying that you believe in science is not a, it's a, it, it's like an apples and oranges thing, you know, because it, you might, I mean, I, obviously the intent there is to communicate that you don't believe in the supernatural or whatever, if you're saying, oh, I, I, I believe in science. But religions, generally speaking, have like some kind of values packaged with them along with the supernatural stuff, whereas science doesn't. It's just the, the pursuit of truth. But again, it can't even tell you whether the pursuit of truth is, is a good thing, per se. You have to kind of go into it with your own pre-existing values. And science can help you to hone your values. And in particular, if you have these kind of big picture values science can help you to form these more specific expressions of that. So like, let's say that you do decide that human life has value and human lives should be preserved, then you can then go and try to, you know, undertake scientific investigation to determine how to best preserve human lives. And then you start to get into things like medicine and the, the environmental aspect of public health and all these different, you know, things that you can explore with science. But you, you're kind of starting from that assumption of like, okay, human life has value. So that's one thing that, you know, certainly like when I was a Christian, there was a, an, a comforting aspect of it that was that the idea that 
at the sort of roots of the universe, there was this ultimate authority on right and wrong and, and good and evil and, and good and bad and all that. Even though in practice, you know, it was still frustrating and, and challenging to try to suss out all of the applications of like, you know, good and evil in the real world. At least there was this comforting element of like, okay, that, you know, like good and evil has this ontological basis as like even that's even like more fundamental to to reality than than matter. Whereas as an atheist now, I just, you know, I see right and wrong as being essentially like a provisional concept that we deploy in order to make, you know, life easier and smoother and make sense of the world. But they don't have any ontological basis in the, you know, the underpinnings of the universe, like I believed when I was a Christian. And, and there's something like a little unsettling about that. Also, you know, definitely liberating as well. But it just just the the idea that that right and wrong is just a um, a helpful concept is a little bit, you know, destabilizing in some ways. And it's some there's just no getting around it at the end of the day. I mean, I think it's just it's just best to acknowledge that we're never going to find the 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 ultimate truth of right and wrong because it isn't a thing. And that's okay. That's just part of being a, an animal in, 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 a, in a material world. We just do the best that we can. And, you know, we're, we're ultimately, ultimately the pursuit of these high-minded ideals is, is a pragmatic pursuit that we have to keep adjusting as we go. Um, so that's one, like, really huge limitation. Science is not a, a philosophy. There are philosophies that are more or less amenable to science in terms of, like, like incorporating scientific truths, but at the end of the day, science isn't a philosophy. It's a, it's a, you know, a, a, a means of trying to, to find truths about the physical world. So yeah, that's, that's one huge limitation that we just have to live within. Another is that in science, the way that, you know, they, they, that science pursues in to suss out truths is a, in most cases, whether whether it's in an experiment or in a data analysis of some kind, you're trying to control variables. And then the results that scientists get from their experiments um, and analyses ultimately are limited by the conditions of those experiments. So, for instance, the field of science that I'm kind of a big nerd for is psychology. And generally speaking, if you're reading something that's a more reputable kind of type of science journalism, they'll be careful to qualify the language when they're just talking about a result and say, such and such scientific study suggests that X, Y, and Z may be the case. And that's because, you know, when scientists are describing the, you know, their results and what it might mean, they're pretty careful to acknowledge, ideally at least, they're pretty careful to acknowledge the limitations of the experiments. <laughs> For instance, almost, almost all the data about, you know, like psychology that we have Almost all of the studies are just done on like students, which is a pretty limited data set. And it's like a, a readily available and affordable data set for researchers. But um, we just have to realize that that if you're going to try to then apply that to yourself out in the wild, in the real world, outside of being a student, that, you know, maybe some of those results are skewed and don't apply quite right to you. Also, just just in general, you know, like we cannot control the variables in our lives the way that you can control them in a, in a laboratory type setting. And so just as an example, you know, um, when a new drug gets approved to go on the market, the drug gets tested to make sure that it performs better than a placebo. 
But when it comes to your own life and you are taking a drug, you don't have the opportunity to control all these different variables. So let's say you're taking an, a, um, an antidepressant or something. You have a, a, a little bit of an experiment that you're doing, right? You're like, let's see, let's try this medication. You and your doctor, you know, try this medication and see if it helps. But unlike a scientific study where you have a certain number of participants and all of these other like efforts to control the different variables that are happening, you just have your life continuing to go on in the background while you're trying this little experiment. So there may be any number of different life changes happening in the meantime while you make this change from not taking this drug to taking this drug. And so it becomes pretty challenging to even know, even if it seems like the drug helps you, you don't necessarily know. Was it because I started taking that drug or was it because I joined this photography club and suddenly had a lot more social activity on my calendar? Or was it because I did X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, and then same with like side effects. It can be challenging to tell, okay, did I experience nausea because of this drug or did I experience nausea because of actual illness or did I experience it because of some other factor? You know, and so it's like, these variables are just perpetually out of control. The best you can really do in those, that situation is just to trust your gut a little bit. And you just don't know at the end of the day the answers about those questions. Likewise, when you're making just like lifestyle changes, you might have a lifestyle change that comes highly recommended by, you know, the scientific community in, in terms of like, uh, again, to go use the example of depression, you know, like the exercising regularly is like there's pretty robust evidence to suggest that it may help a lot with depression but there are so many confounding variables at play that it's kind of difficult to tell in practice you know what it means for you and then how to actually even apply it so yeah that, that kind of gives gets into another limitation here and that is that like science can give us some of these like hyper specific results and you can kind of at least with a little bit of application of intuition, converge some of these hyper-specific results into general principles. Like, for instance, this idea that exercise is a good treatment for depression. But then when it comes to actually trying to apply a principle like that into your life, you get down into the nitty-gritty details of all of these hyper-specific elements that are, that are about your life particularly. So it's like, okay, for you, if let's say you're trying to in integrate this exercise into your life, does it make more sense to do, you know, jogging or biking or ring fit adventure or playing a sport or, you know, what whatever. And then you'd figure out, okay, where does this fit into my schedule and how, how does this fit into my social life? It doesn't make more sense to try to exercise with other people or does it make more sense to try to do it by myself or, you know, all these details are all connected to all these other details. And it's just this kind of web of complicated stuff. You have science available to help you make these decisions. And it can be genuinely really, really helpful in that regard to continue this example when it comes to trying to integrate a new habit into your life. Having access to the science of habit formation is like really, really helpful. But it's not like having that information magically solves the problem. It's still a really hairy problem to solve that it, it, at the end of the day involves all these really specific particulars of your own life 
your own psychology, your own existing routines, your own social connections, your own you know geography of your neighborhood, etc. And there's just no getting around that. Um, and then this this kind of connects also to just a, a, another really major limitation here, which is that we're not really that rational of beings to begin with. And even even the parts of us that are more rational are not in the driver's seat all that much of the time. And, we're, you know, we're not Vulcans like like Spock from Star Trek. We're mostly animals that kind of have a semi-rational being riding along that can sometimes direct control. But a lot of times we're just kind of like the, the rational part of ourselves are just sort of hapless observers watching this animal, you know, do its thing and spin out of control and go in its own direction and eat a whole row of Oreos and whatever. And so it's like, yeah, you can have access to all of this great data, but getting yourself to even listen to it is is a trick. I think a great sort of metaphor here to, that encompasses a lot of these particular limitations is if science is like this really kind of pure upstream discipline, it's sort of intellectually more pure in, the, in its pursuit of knowledge, then kind of downstream from science, you have more applied disciplines that have to take into account some of these other variables. So you have science, but then downstream from science, you have medicine. And medicine has not only all this information coming from science, but it also has all of these ethical constraints and considerations that it has to take into account. And weigh, like for instance, weighing the value of a longer life versus the value of quality of life. And you have engineering where you have a lot of knowledge that comes from science, but then you also have to weigh things like cost and just like pragmatic considerations. Then you also get into, I think maybe the best example that, that kind of correlates to how we have to deal with our own lives is public policy, where you might go into public policy trying to, let's say, influence public health, and you have multiple different things that really complicate it. So Science is like a really valuable pool of information to draw from in that pursuit. But it's not like you can just pick those kind of scientific answers and apply them to the world. Like you can't just say, okay, we're, we know that, you know, McDonald's is bad for people. So we're going to ban McDonald's. A, you have the question of, of sort of the ethics of that and like the ethics of like trying to create positive outcomes versus trying to, you know, create an environment of like liberty and freedom and stuff as opposed to sort of a, a, a um, benevolent autocracy. Second of all, you have the consideration of, okay, we're, we're trying to get this done in a political environment that doesn't let us just do whatever we want. We have to like abide by the constitution and we have to f accomplish this one way or another through legal means. And so you have these pragmatic considerations there. And then you have furthermore, when it comes to trying to get individual people to create lifestyle changes in a you know in a in a given population of the country or or the state or whatever you have all these additional challenges of like trying to deal with people's own values and their own habits and all that stuff and so you know you just you just ultimately have to create pragmatic solutions that you know they draw on this more sort of pure discipline of science that exists upstream but then they also have to negotiate with these like all these particulars of reality and that's a, a great metaphor for what we have to do in our own lives with ourselves you know it's kind of like 
that metaphor I've used before about like you, kind of yourself as this kingdom, this interior kingdom, and that even if you have this sort of science advisor living in your inter- internal kingdom, that's that's taking in this information from psychology and and medicine and etc. You know, try these this information that's relevant to trying to live like a healthier, happier, more ethical life. The science advisor not only has to like have that information but it also has to figure out how do we actually get this kingdom to act on this information and that that gets into all these little all the particulars of like how do you integrate something into like a to make it into a into a habit or how do you how do you sort of nudge yourself to pursue different behaviors and you can use science for that too you know like you can use the science of habit formation or use the science of environmental psychology or whatever to try to influence yourself but just to know that you're not a vulcan you are a more or less a dog like a very large dog with a very small vulcan riding on it and the vulcan can like tell the dog what it thinks it should do but you know you have to kind of negotiate with the dog's own way of dealing with the world in order to actually achieve anything like that all of this discussion today kind of starts to get at this this sort of irony that I find really interesting in this whole pursuit, which is that, you know, science ha- has this interesting process of being both at the same time kind of, um, it grows your knowledge while also humbling you in the process. And I, I think that's true for sort of the process of science in general, where while like, like speaking on the, on the level of like human history, it has given us so much more knowledge and in practice like power than we had before but at the same time it's like we're much more aware of our limitations and i think that's that's true for me individually where like my you know my sort of hobby science the science that i'm i'm a geek for in particular is psychology um i'm not a scientist i'm just a guy who likes reading and listening about this stuff what the interesting thing about it is that you might think that learning all this stuff would make me more, you know, arrogant about it. And maybe in some ways it has, but, um, just, I I feel like I've been massively humbled in terms of my understanding of the landscape of my own mind. It's like most of the stuff that I have learned as I pursue this stuff is that I'm just not what I thought I was, um, as a, as a human, you know, you just kind of assume that you have more, power and understanding over yourself than you really have and just especially with the you know learning more about the science of the placebo and the science of self-deception and the science of like magical thinking and connected to that you know cognitive biases and all that it's like wow i am really kind of stupid and so is everybody else and it's like the 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 irony of that is that a it's true (laughs) that we're just not that smart and we're and in particular we're not as smart as we think we are we don't have as much control as we self-control as we think we have, etc. But the the irony about that is that that knowledge is also empowering in some ways. That you know, if you understand that that you don't have that much self-control, then you can use other means than just trying to brute force. You know, use use determination and willpower. You can tr- use tricks. You know, use these kind of interior public policy making decisions to try to nudge yourself into better behaviors rather than just trying to brute force yourself and create a little interior autocracy. 
it's it's that process of you know just accepting who and what you are it's just like well i'm not a a being of pure thought and intention and will i'm a basically a dog with a vulcan riding on it and that's just the way it is and if you can accept that and kind of try to learn to live within that constraint then that can be empowering um but if you sort of refuse to accept that then it can be immensely and endlessly frustrating so I think that at the end of the day, one of the best things that we can do in order to try to, you know, make all of this work harmoniously in terms of trying to live scientifically, but living under the reality that we're not particularly rational creatures to begin with, is to just try to use science to hone our intuition you know there are there are decisions like for instance deciding whether or not to get vaccinated where you just you know can take the science and then make a decision and you're kind of done you know it's it's like a one a one time decision or it's like a a big thing but that but as far as these like just all these things day to day that we're constantly going through as we live our lives while we there's a whole bunch of science available to help us make all these little decisions it's it's too much data to be consulting every time we need to make a decision, right? And so I think that the uh, kind of a good sort of um, workflow in order to try to do that is to use that all that data as much as it, of it as we care to consume or we can find the time to consume, use it as input to like hone our intuition. So, you know, just just to make a little example or metaphor here, you know, thinking about something like chat GTP or just AI in general, you know, it basically just like is trained on this huge body of texts and then it spits out answers really fast, which may or may not be true, but they sound true. Um, and oftentimes they are or they're good enough. So I think you can, you know, think of yourself that way where it's like, okay, all of these all this like science information that i'm consuming it is going to make me have a better gut intuition to make these decisions and there are some decisions that you just you just want the science and there's some decisions that you need the gut because the gut is a bazillion times faster than 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 like you know deliberated reasoning so you know it's like you it's not like you just throw the science away because it of all these confounding variables and all the and and the, the needs of living in the real world with with all these little nitty gritty details that you have to attend to, and this and the you know the the split second decision making that you have to do all of the time. It's not that you that that makes science useless. It's that the way that you use it is going to be a little bit different, and knowing that there's not going to be a perfect, correct answer all the time but that it can generally train you to to have a generally good intuition about what works and what doesn't and what and what not. I think that's pragmatically speaking most of the time the best way to use it when you're talking about all of these little micro decisions and there's a such thing as too much information. So like like I I know a lot of us um during the first few months of COVID would um you know be kind of doom scrolling in a, in a particular type of doom scrolling where we're like trying to sort of soothe our anxiety by by accumulating information and it's like okay when it comes to like covid like having some information was very very good and helpful but 
there's a point at which like consuming information is just in itself an unhealthy behavior where you've gone way past the point of no returns or a point point of diminishing returns to where it's just just you know like feeding your anxiety and creating a you know an uh, a, an unhelpful spiral you know you have to kind of not only ask yourself you know what's the decision that the, that the best available science points to or what behaviors does the best available science point to? You also have to ask yourself, like, what is the best process for consuming science and transforming it into positive behaviors? A process that involves, you know, like doom scrolling for five hours a day, trying to get any little nugget of new information about the novel coronavirus. You know, it's like, okay, if your if your end goal is the health of myself and my family, then that's probably ultimately unhelpful, you know? And so you have to kind of make those holistic decisions about like what is the process of flow, like the flow of this information from upstream to downstream. Am I getting bogged down by too much, you know, and maybe even like trying to pursue the most useful forms of it. Like I, I know for myself as someone who's a kind of a psychology nut that there I, I've noticed that there's just like a, a kind of a range of different books in this overall space uh like a little bit of like a multi-dimensional spectrum where there are some books that are like really fascinating but not that easy to apply there's some books that are really easy to apply but don't have as strong of a grounding in specific scientific data and so you have to kind of figure out like okay there's a spectrum from sort of data rich to data poor or like or like solid scientifically to weaker scientifically there's also a spectrum from not very useful to useful and they're they're kind of independent variables so you had to figure out like okay i want the best information but i also want to actually be able to use it and so sometimes that making finding something useful is going to mean that there's actually a few more like additional intermediaries between you and the scientists people who are like writing books that take that data and and turn it into advice which which may be a little less scientific but a little easier to actually use and that's okay if you're putting those intermediaries in there because you're if you're thinking about this kind of pragmatically holistically it's like you're trying to make this information useful not just trying to like have as much of it as you possibly can and so that's something to kind of keep in mind that it's o it's okay to kind of you know use some of those more downstream things i think that you just want to make sure that they all are kind of aligned upstream like they're they're not con contrary to the science that they're they're that they you want to, you want them to actually be downstream from science not just be made up stuff so this is the topic where i am sure that some of the people listening have better answers than i do about this topic or better approaches i know that i've been very flattered and kind of humbled to find that like a non-trivial portion of the listeners are way more qualified than me in certain respects to talk about this stuff either uh, people who are there's a, a number of people who are actual scientists in different disciplines and there's a handful of people i know of who are working uh, as therapists or you know in the mental health world so i think that's awesome and all that to say that i think like i would love to see what kind of discussion this could generate on the discord or wherever about you know, your own thoughts about this, because like I said, I'm just a dude who likes science. And in particular, I'm really geeked about this one particular field of science, which is psychology. But um, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a scientific journalist. I'm really just a, a random dude living in the woods with a microphone. So I would love to hear 
those of you who ha- who who are living like the scientific method as part of your day to day like experience, if you you know you're doing science as your job, I would love to hear about how you approach consuming science that is not in your field and applying that to your life and see like how do you deal with those limitations of <laughs> being a mere irrational mortal with limited capacity for for all of that stuff. So yeah, I would love to hear what you think about this. You can find the Placebo Magic podcast and my poetry on the web at garrisonbenson.com. Leave a voicemail for the show by calling 989-318-4118. Music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. You can support the show by giving us a review on your podcast app of choice, sharing an episode with a friend, or becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash placebo magic. Patreon supporters also gain access to our Patreon-exclusive bonus show. Remember, magic is a metaphor, and metaphor is magical. <laughs>